Welcome to the MRX Influencers Podcast, where you come for the insights, but stay for the good times. I'm Dan Fleetwood, and on this podcast, I chat with the best and brightest minds in the research space. On this episode, we have a guest host, Dan Jackson, who leads Question Pro's Canadian business. He talks with Sean Copeland, CEO of Good Find Toys. Sean is a research pro and now business owner focusing on the niche market of toy collection. So I hope you enjoy this conversation between Dan and Sean. Oh, hey. How you doing? I'm so good. And wow, not a Dan I was expecting. Uh, it's a totally different Dan. It's Dan Jackson, <laughs> same place of work, but different <laughs> surname. <laughs> so same place of work, same name, different face. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> And last I love that. It's not, it's true. I did know you were coming because we did do all the marketing around it. Right, right, right. <laughs> How's your day going? Oh, it's going, it's going really good. Really busy. <laughs> lots of things to do. Lots of meetings. Where is the other Boston? day? Boston. Boston. There you go. He's somewhere, he's somewhere in Western Texas, I think, in his Winnebago traveling the state. I think he's in the as far as I know, he's in the forest somewhere. I hope he's tuning in <laughs> on his cell phone if he has reception. Yeah. Just a quick quick overview of the agenda. So what Ooh. we'll do today is I have someone on from Canada. So it's going to be a person that I've kind of went through the industry with named Sean Copeland. He started Ooh. off similarly to me. So from studying it at school, making his way through, but he has an interesting sort of new development where he started his own business and there's some That's insight from his research that he can share and how he's used some of the skills and his keen eye for the new endeavor. And then I'm going to do a, do a few data points. Canadian Ooh, those today. data points. They're, they are cool. And I'm going to share them today and anything that else that comes along because it's pretty off the cuff and that's why we all tune in. Yeah. So... Tell me about what you've been up to, though, DJ. You are now our director of Canada. Managing director of Canada and big responsibility, big opportunity. I've been here since November of 2020. Okay. And there's lots of traction and lots of marketing buzz up here. And it's amazing. So we have big clients. We have, you know, we have city of Vancouver, city of Calgary. We have government clients like Prince Edward Island. So lots of good opportunities here and I'm loving it. Okay, I want to get right to it. I want to introduce an old colleague of mine and it's great to kick back up our conversations and I'm going to introduce Sean and I'll pull him in now. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Yeah, doing amazing. Hosting the show. Looking forward to talking to you. Crystal's doing good, I, I assume. Oh, yeah, I'm great. Just hanging oh. out. Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so how you doing, Sean? Anything <clears throat> good? I think you're not far from me. You're in London, Ontario. So that's probably like 100 kilometers south, southwest. Yeah, yeah. It's a good two-hour drive. Yeah. Two-hour drive. There you go. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what kilometers are. You got to like put it in. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what that means. I'll miles. just nod my head. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess we can get right into it. I want to ask you a few questions, and I think we could just, you know, talk, you know, candidly about anything. You know, feel free to just share your opinions. But I wanted to really dig down. I think we had a similar 
you know, how we got into the industry, how we navigated it. Uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, your journey through in research and how you ended up at Good Find. Yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. I thought I was going to be a famous movie director back when I was a teenager. And clearly that didn't work out. But back in the day when I thought I wanted to be a famous movie director, I went to school to be just that. So I actually went to school for film production and, and worked in that, that field for a couple of years. Quickly realized it just, you know, I didn't have the passion for it that other people did. And I came across the, the research analyst program at Georgian College. And yeah, that's the one that you went to as well, right, Dan? That's right. That's right. That's right. Wait, wait, were you guys like class buddies, like friends no, in no. college? No, 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 we were enemies. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, we were I, in the same cohort. So I, I, gra- I can't remember, what year did you graduate? Was it? 2013. Okay, yeah, I was 2009. So I think I came and spoke to your class, possibly. Oh, <laughs> so much wiser. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's where my career started. I fell in love with research. You know, I've always loved business. I, I grew up in, a, in an entrepreneurial household. You know, my dad was always running companies, starting new companies, building stuff. And it's really exciting working in research. Anyone who does realizes really quickly, you get to talk to some of the best business leaders across the country, across the world. You get to talk to executives when you're just starting out. You know, you get to be that person sharing the insights from data, trying to help them, you know, move the company forward. And, and I found it really exciting. And yeah, so I, I worked for a lot of different companies over the years, some big ones, Ipsos, a lot of people know about. Literally everyone's worked for Ipsos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it means he knows a and lot. And then what'd you do after that? <laughs> I worked at a lot of other places and Veronics Research. I've worked for Loyalty One, who's sort of the Air Miles program. Everybody in Canada knows that, mm. but I think in the US it's a little bit more of a secret. And you know, moved around, started getting more into, I would say, big data sets, different types of data sets. Started okay. to realize there was a lot of power in combining this traditional survey data with behavioral data and, and other kinds of consumer profiles and, you know, third-party data and second-party data. So I started working a lot more with developers and, and people on the, the tech side. Nice. And then recently, my last role was actually really exciting. We got to build our own data product, our own sort of SaaS solution. And so that was, yeah, that was a lot of fun as well. Was was that at the, I think you mentioned to me before, it was the marijuana place that you worked at. Yeah, so it, it was called Lift & Co. And we yeah, were Canada's funny. largest cannabis events company. We that's had about, awesome. Yeah, we had about 25,000 or so people come to our events from across Canada. A lot of people came up from the U.S., really great events that we held. But we also had a reviews platform so people could go in and you know, tell us how they felt about different products that were on the market. So there's that's tons cool. and tons of data for us to use. And, and that's really why, why I joined two years ago. Yeah. And I got to ask, like, what was the catering like for that? Were there a lot of hungry people at those <laughs> events? We tended to under order on the cookies for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or over order. No, yeah. Under order. Tend to. Yeah. My next question would be around sort of your new venture. I know you're always a researcher, you went through the industry, but then you kind of took a wholly different turn 
and it's good fine toys. And I just want to know a little bit more, like, you know, how you got started. Was it always a love of, you know, that, you know, collectibles and toys? Just tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I've always had a bit of a fondness towards e-commerce. When I was 12, I got my first Beanie Baby. <laughs> and it was my, my He's little He's admitting sister. it live on, on, on live, on a live show, guys. That's, that's <laughs> He's not ashamed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's good. My first of many. And so it was my little sister. She got me this Beanie Baby for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, you know, it's kind of cute. She's six years younger than me. Like, you know, it was cute of her to do it. But at the same time, eBay was really taking off. And so... I was trying to get her something for Christmas. And I don't know if you guys remember Furbies. Yes. Oh, I remember yeah. them. Awesome. Sorry, that was my first so really They were selling <laughs> for like twenty to $30,000 on eBay. And I was just like, as a 12-year-old, I was like, how is this possible? Why, why is this happening? And so I started talking to my dad and he's like, well, supply and demand. And I was like, oh, interesting concept. And so I started buying a whole bunch of Beanie Babies bulk. So, you know, I'd buy like 50 to 100 at a time from people just trying to clear them out. And then I would take my own photos and I would upload them onto eBay and, you know, pretend I was him essentially because you can't do that stuff as a 12 year old. (laughs) And I did that for years. So I, you know, moved on to electronics and computers and all kinds of stuff throughout college. And it was always sort of a a thing on the side. But I always, always had a, a soft spot for toys, for sure. And I think that's probably what led me to build Good Find Toys. The last company I was working with got hit really hard by COVID, like any events company would. So unfortunately, you know, that company doesn't exist anymore. But it did offer a great opportunity for me to reflect. And I looked around and said, you know, I I think I want to turn this into more of a full-time business, a full-time thing. And I can't say my wife loved the idea at first. (laughs) We have a nine-year-old kid and, you know, we had a home together and, you know, sort of depended on those incomes and and that lifestyle. And, but after a few, few cold drinks sitting on the patio, thinking about life and reflecting, we packed our stuff up, sold our place in Toronto, moved to London, you know, bought some space here for me to warehouse all the toys and, that's what we did last August. And since then, it's become my full-time gig. That's, That's amazing. awesome. That's so amazing. I know we talked a bit before, was it, and about specifically about the, you know, the target audience and the demographics that you use your site, because it varies now with millennials, you know, buying a lot of these things and which typically used to be younger people, you know, how do you, you know, how, how did you manage to, you know, properly sell to them or properly market to them being so wide of a demographic? Yeah. So one thing I noticed early on when I was doing some market research for my business Ooh. is that there were all these subreddits. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Reddit or use it at all, hopefully. But <laughs> when you get into these subreddits, like they're very niche topics, right? So there was a subreddit about Skylanders, which I'm assuming you haven't heard of. There was a subreddit. I have yeah? heard of it. I have, okay. yeah, I have nephews. <laughs> Isn't it like the my like brother's, a video my brother game? with a lot of these things. Yep. Yeah. He's nine yep. years older than me and I have a collect. You go in his room 
it's just full of everything that was on your site. And that was another interesting point, but please, please go on. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to them then. So I, I noticed that there were all these subreddits and, and there were also Facebook groups. Like, you know, one of the Facebook groups I came across was GI Joe Collectors of Canada. And I was like, that's pretty specific. So I started joining these groups and doing a bit of ethnography and, and realized that a lot of the pain points that they were talking about existed way back when I was 12 years old and eBay started, you know, things around shipping and like, how do you package an item and find an item and all this kind of stuff. And, and I, I realized really quickly that there's still a huge opportunity in this space because the, the retailers that serve them really weren't built around collectors. And collectors can be anybody, you know, everybody has that, that ability to be a collector. And I think when we think about collectors, we immediately think about those people who collect, you know, 300 Star Wars action figures and have a, a room dedicated to it. But that's not, that's not every collector. Right. That's awesome. And individual stores, right. And they don't cater to that wide breadth that you're talking about. So for instance, you're, I think you were talking earlier about, you know, that store may cater to that person with all those toys and everything. But if someone's looking for a specific type, that's pretty hard to find, right? A spe very specific thing, right? Yeah. So a collector typically, you know, they're going to be wondering, is there a scratch on the package? Does the package mm -hmm. have any compression damage? You know, is the figure or is the collectible painted well? You know, or does it look cross-eyed or, you know, like they're very, very particular in what they're looking for. And that's not the way that a Toys R Us was built or, you know, a Walmart, right? Like that's, yeah. you're not going to, if you walk into a Walmart and be like, can you help me find the one that has just a little bit of extra red paint on the face? And <laughs> I want to make sure that it doesn't have any dust on it as well. Like they're going to look at you and be like, just maybe. <laughs> no, it's a really interesting place to be in for sure. Yeah, it's fascinating. And, uh, you know, in side story, I ordered one off your website last week. So my brother, for my brother, it was a Back to the Future. I don't know if you could say it. A Back to the Future <laughs> board game. And they called me last That's night. Fun. No word of a lie. He called me last night. He's like, wow, I got to play this with, you know, he has a son and a wife. So they, they were playing together. So I think it's, it's a cool idea. And so many different people are into that stuff. I was going to ask you, you know, do you ever see research coming into play? I know you have like a creative background with the movie ideas, or do you have sort of now the sort of the research career? Do you ever see kind of implementing any of those into your new venture? Yeah. And really right now I'm working with small data and, you know, a lot of stuff that people would consider qualitative and, you know, I had already mentioned the ethnographies, but things like customer reviews are huge and people tend to just look at those reviews and go, ah, well, you know, that person was angry because they didn't get their item quick enough. So what? Or, oh, that person was upset because, you know, the item came with a slight crease in it. Well, we can't do any better. Who cares? But things like reviews, I'm spending a lot of time going through and combing through those things to figure out how can I improve my operations? So even if I don't agree with it right away, someone experienced it and there's got to right. be some way that I can improve my business so that that doesn't happen to someone in the future. And same with sales data, right? So surprisingly, one of my best sellers is plush Care Bears. And people just love those Care Bears. 
but I wouldn't know if you didn't have that sales data. Like they just. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you didn't think that was going to be your number one seller when you started the company? <laughs> oh my goodness. Great. It's the nostalgia, I, man. Nostalgia. It is. It is. That's right. And the little I know about chatbots, it'd be hard to program one for yours. It's so the questions become so specific, right? It'd be yeah. Like, so. That's a big struggle that a lot of these businesses have. When you think of the traditional kind of comic book store is what most people mm -hmm. think about when they think about collectibles. I'm kind of the anti-comic book store. You know, I carry Peppa Pig. <laughs> I carry Care Bears. I carry My Little Ponies. I have Barbies. But everything has to have an element of, you know, collectability. And, you know, when I started this business. I knew I wanted it to be different. I knew the issues that people were facing, but as I get more and more data, I, I definitely start to realize that there's just so much I can do here. And absolutely, even if traditional survey research isn't something that I'm going to do right away, it is something that I'm going to have to do. And I have, and I have that opportunity. <laughs> do you think that the film degree or the market research experience has helped you more in your entrepreneurial journey? I would say really it is the market research um, <laughs> because honestly, over the years, the more consumer research you do, the more you realize that there are people that do certain things certain ways and there is some predictability to people. And yeah, I would say, you know, you get to that point where you're like, I kind of understand why these certain stereotypes exist. Because um, <laughs> you're like, the survey just keeps telling me the same thing. <laughs> I think one of the best surveys I ever did was for Playtex. And they were trying to figure out people's different, like, sexual preferences at the time. Because they had this new, like, clean wipe thing. Anyway, so... <laughs> In BC, it was like everyone was wild in comparison to the rest of Canada. And then everybody in Manitoba and, and Alberta, like Saskatchewan, all over there, were like very, very conservative compared to everybody else in Canada. And Dan's looking at me. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. America, so the center of the country. So a parallel would be kind of the Midwest and probably the on like BC would be California-esque, maybe exactly. a more bohemian. <laughs> and then Toronto is kind of like New York. Yeah. Okay. You're like, the data is showing us what everybody knows, but they know it because it exists. It's like chicken yeah. and the egg kind of. Exactly. Yeah. And the more years you spend in research, the more you just start to collect that kind of information. And yeah, it's been so helpful just to understand people and marketing and being able to work with so many awesome people on the marketing side in big businesses has really, really helped me understand how to build my own business. I love that. We actually got a question from the audience. Nice. Uh oh, there it is. Do you want me to ask What's an unexpected question? issue you ran into? So, yeah, it looks like Timothy had never heard of compression damage before. So companies like Walmart, let's say, when an item is ordered by somebody, they more or less treat it the same as any item that's been ordered. They have someone that picks that in the warehouse, they pick it off the shelf, they put it into a box. Usually that box is picked automatically by a computer based on the size of the item. And then they seal up the box, they put a label on it and they send it on its way. So okay. compression damage is when that item has been packed that way 
but the packaging of like a toy. So if you take like this toy, for example, it's got a cardboard backer. Right. So if it gets pushed around a lot, then this cardboard backer can crease. Okay. Or if somebody chucks the shipping box, which happens a lot, or steps on the shipping box, which actually happens surprisingly a lot, especially crossing borders, then compression damage is just when that gets crushed down. So it's actually fairly common in the collector space. You know, they talk about buying from Target, Walmart, all those big places and always complaining that their items show up damaged. Yeah. Yeah, you you could imagine, right? And their specific needs are to have it very much perfect, right? They're collecting it. Absolutely. It's not about the toy that's inside the package on its own. It's the package as well. But I would say from an unexpected perspective, you know, for me, that was fairly expected as a, as a collector myself, you know, that's something I was aware of, but something that was unexpected was just the amount of communication that some collectors want. So I run an online store, you know, it's completely online. I do have a phone number people can call an email that they can, they can send emails to, but I'll often get a phone call from someone saying, you know, asking all kinds of questions about something. And then they'll send me an email and they'll say, Hey, can you take additional photos from eight different angles of this particular item? (laughs) And then they'll go to the store and they'll buy the item. So that was something I didn't really expect that kind of customer support pre-sale And it's something that I have to think about, you know, how am I going to scale this, right? Because I I can't spend every day on the phone answering emails, that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, you know, it's it's a fascinating topic, you know, especially for me and having a brother that's really close to this. I always wanted to know, you know, where it's coming from and talk to the distributors themselves. So it's great that, you know, you're using your market research toolkit and your creative toolkit on your new endeavor it's great to talk to you today, and we're going to move on to the next segment, but it was great to see Bye you again. Sure. I'm going to follow up with you later, and see you guys. talk soon. Bye. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Awesome. That was so yeah, great. That was cool. I know. So many oh, fun so facts, cool. man. Toys are cool, right? Well, they are. Know. Everybody loves the yeah. toy. Do you have any Beanie Babies? No. But one of my brothers is a collector. They collect Funko Pops. They like have the big heads. <laughs> Right. Yeah. 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 You, I collect coffee cups, these- but I drink. I use them to drink out of. I probably have like thirty-five coffee cups, and I live by myself. So you know, that's my. <laughs> oh yeah, probably more. Yeah, as I get a coffee cup from every city I go to, or like if we go to Disney World, I have like coffee cups from every park, and I also despise dishes. So yeah, I have this gigantic one. It's like. There you go. So I, I basically put a uh, half a pot in because I'm like, <laughs> addicted to caffeine, but I'm trying to cut down. I run out. Okay. Of caffeine, so so you said you had some I, data points. I got some data points. I got some Canadian specific data points. Let's have a Canada specific. Wait. So is it? Can market research prove that Canadians are nice, or is that just like an overall general? Oh, is it a just, misnomer it's, or is it it's, true? It's known. It's just like intuitive. Like you just know okay. it, right? There's no <laughs> research needed. It's like we know. Okay, so let me see. Mm-hmm. Share my screen. You got it? You got there we it? go. <gasps> so we got some 
really groundbreaking data here. <laughs> and we are going to, so first we asked, so this is from our question pro incident answers. So we asked about 150 responses. You're able to answer one question. It comes back in real time. And want to see, because the big stereotype at question pro is like everybody's playing hockey. There's polar bears playing hockey in the streets, you know, typical stuff. <laughs> And it's typical, just typical. Right. So this actually shows that from the 105th uh, from the 150 responses, 85% like hockey. So I got to go to the next one. Now, now <laughs> when asked should healthcare similar to their ours, which is, I mean, that's a topic for discussion for another day, but their assumption, you know, should they be afforded the same level of healthcare that we do? For, you know, for, you know, not, yeah. So 90%. So more than hockey lovers, they want Americans to get some health care. So that's a pretty interesting. That's so nice. But I got, I got a next one that's, you know, it's a little bit controversial, but I thought I'd throw it in. You know, if you were a hot dog, would you eat yourself? Now, I'm dying to know this. And I got the chart wrong. You like that, eh? So as you see, it's 72%, actually 72% would say yes and 20% oh. no. But as you can see, just use your imagination there. Just so switch them around. But really some people really like hot dogs, man. Yeah, that's what I couldn't imagine, but <laughs> there you go. I love that. And those are Canada specific using instant answers. So fun. Instant answers. Instant answers, and that's from Tim Cornelius, Tim Cash Cornelius. He set that up for me, so big thanks to Tim. But let's talk about next week. Dan Fleetwood will be back, so a smoother process. The main Dan, the boss. I'm gonna butt the boss man. The boss man. He's coming back, and <laughs> it'll be great. And it's good to have him back. I hope I helped out, and hope I did an okay job. And thanks a lot, Crystal, for taking it on with me. And of course, moving on. Yeah, have an awesome week and we'll be back next week. Thanks so much for listening to the MRX Influencers Podcast. If you want more information about Question Pro, go to questionpro.com. If you want to follow me, feel free to do so on LinkedIn or Twitter. Until next time, we'll see you later. Mm-hmm.